0: All things in common. Our reading from Acts tells us that the early Christian community was so fully united in heart and mind that all who believed were together and had all things in common. Imagine that. When someone joined the church, they would sell everything that they had and give the proceeds to the common purse so that the shared resources of the whole community could be distributed according to everyone's need. No one was left out. There was always enough for everyone. That's as much a theological statement as an economic one. Imagine what it must have required of every participant to let go of the concept of what's mine and what's yours, what I have brought to the table versus what you have brought in order that we all might hold everything together in common. Much has changed over the last 2,000 years, but one thing that hasn't changed is human nature. People were just as greedy, defensive, Selfish and untrusting back then as they are today. The Bible wants us to recognize how strong and real the faith of the early church was. And I think it wants us to wonder why the same isn't true anymore. When did the church stop requiring all of its members to liquidate their assets whenever they decided to join When did that become the particular characteristic of monastic communities and not the characteristic of the whole church? Whenever it happened, I'm sure it didn't take very long. I can't even get all things in common to work for my family. I wouldn't dream of trying that with a congregation like ours. Perhaps your family's better at that than mine is, though I doubt it. This time of physical distancing has given us the gift of a lot more time with each other than normal. Does anyone think that's made it easier for us to be of one heart, one mind, and one checkbook? In our house, we can't plan a menu. Or choose a shared activity without causing a considerable amount of grumbling can you imagine what would happen in our house if we let all six members of our family vote on what we spent money on this phenomenon isn't unique to the pandemic of course how many marriages fall apart over money Or maybe a more precise way to say it is how many relationships use money as a weapon for the brokenness in their relationship. Newlyweds often make even the smallest financial decisions together, often because that's a necessity when even a cup of coffee from Starbucks might upset the family budget. Later on, though, spending becomes spiteful. Or a source of fear. Will she find out what I bought online if I have it shipped to the office? He left me at home with the kids while he went on a ski trip with his buddies. So I think I'll help myself to a nice new necklace. If the two who have become one flesh can't align their hearts and their pocketbooks, how in the world did the big messy, diverse body of Christ ever make it happen? The answer, I think, is repentance. By that, I don't mean saying sorry after the fact. I mean turning around from the life that you would otherwise build for yourself and embracing a life devoted to God and to the community of others. That's repentance. And that's the kind of transformation that's only possible with God's help. This moment in Acts chapter 2 when we read that the believers held all things in common, it comes at the end of a really long progression that we've been making our way through every Sunday of the Easter season. It actually starts with a passage we won't hear for a few more weeks. The beginning of Acts 2 is the story of Pentecost, when God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. But right after that, we picked up on the first Sunday of this season, Easter Day, with Peter confronting the crowd of fellow Israelites because they had played a role in condemning Jesus to death. Know with certainty, he says to them, that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. In response to Peter's words, the crowd is cut to the heart and asks Peter and the other apostles what they should do. Peter's reply is to tell them to repent, to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 persons were added to the Christian community that day, and that's the moment when the author of Acts tells us that the Christian community held all things in common. Those things go hand in hand. Repentance, baptism, forgiveness, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. They are the foundation not only of the Christian faith, but of the common life that grows from that faith and makes it possible for us to hold all things in common, our hearts, our minds, and even our treasure. Repentance isn't merely saying that we're sorry for the sins that we have committed, like making those selfish expenditures in secret from our spouse. Repentance is turning around turning around from the self-seeking tendency that lives inside all of us and resetting our life's compass according to God's way, God's economy, God's vision for the common life. In Acts 2, Peter wasn't asking the crowd to repent from their failure He wasn't asking the crowd to repent from driving the nails into Jesus' hands and feet, but to repent from their failure to understand that the way of Jesus and its repudiation of earthly power was indeed the way of God and the path that leads to God's reign. When the crowd does that, when they exchange their own worldview for that of God, when they are reborn in the waters of baptism, They receive the animating power of the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit gives them the power to do what otherwise would be impossible, even to hold all things in common. Lately, I've noticed that socialism has become a word that either rallies fervent support or sparks vehement condemnation. But if you think about it, those who embrace socialism and those who reject it do so for the same reason, greed. Socialists want to pull resources together to make sure that greedy capitalists don't deny the working class their basic necessities. And anti-socialists argue that greedy decision makers can't be relied upon to distribute those resources as efficiently as a capitalist system. The truth is that we can't work out our differences as long as we think that repentance is someone else's problem. If only they would get their act together. If only they cared half as much about others as themselves. If only they weren't so selfish. If only they would do their fair share. But the truth is that we're all sinners. We're all selfish and greedy. None of us any more or any less than everyone else. It's just that we like our brand of selfishness more than that of other people. If we're going to be the community of faith that holds all things in common, whether it's our church or our family or our country, all of us need to repent of our own selfishness and ask God to give us the Holy Spirit. Imagine how quickly and fully our church would grow if we believed that the power of God makes it possible for all of us to have our things in common in order to be sure that no one's needs are left unmet. People are hungry to be a part of a community in which individuals and families care more about others than themselves. They're willing to give their whole lives to that sort of endeavor. Imagine how beautiful your marriage, your family, and all the relationships of your life would be if you believed that the power of God makes it possible for you to give up your claim on what's yours and trust that by giving yourself over to the cares of others, you will find your best life. Imagine how wonderful and respectable our nation would be if all the people of this country gave up their own particular agendas because they believed that the power of selfless love made it possible for all of us to embrace the common welfare. Imagine it. Imagine all of it. It's all possible, but it has to start with you and your own repentance. we don't always have to agree with one another. Later in Acts, we read about a moment when the apostles disagreed passionately with one another over the issue of Gentile conversion, but they were still a community that held all things in common because their one heart and their one mind were guided by the one spirit. If you want to be a part of a community like that, if you want your life and your relationships to reflect that sort of unity of identity and purpose, then repent and return to the Lord. Ask God to take your will and make it one with God's will by giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Make that part of your daily prayers and God will make it possible.